Welcome to the free sermon podcast of the Potter's House Church in Virginia Beach, affiliated with Christian Fellowship Ministries. Our vision is winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. It's Wayman Wednesday. That means you're about to hear a message from the founder of our fellowship, Pastor Wayman Mitchell. Even though he entered into his reward and is in the presence of our Lord, we still need to hear his clarion call to faithfulness, holiness, discipleship, and commitment to the cause of Christ. If you like what you hear, please support World Evangelism by subscribing to the premium version of this podcast for even more sermons. Links are in the show notes. Enjoy today's sermon. The Lord bless you tonight. We're going to have a wonderful time this week. We had a glorious leadership in Phoenix set the tone for this, and we're believing God's going to powerfully help us. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Acts, chapter 13. The book of Acts, chapter 13. On April the 18th, 1942, 16 B 25 bombers with 80 men took off of the aircraft carrier the Hornet and bombed Japan. This was just four months after December 7, 1941, when Japan did a sneak attack on Pearl Harbor. This was one of the most uh, significant acts of the Second World War. It's one of the most dangerous, one of the most daring, one of the most uh, uh, massive gambles that the United States of America had ever done. 16 bombers, 80 men, taking off of aircraft carriers which were not, uh, which were not uh, uh, made for those kinds of bombers. They could not return. They were to bomb Japan, go on into China, which had been uh, occupied by Japan, land if they could, and uh, find uh, the, the, uh, the uh, underground to get out and try to get back to America. One of the most daring events that has ever been done by the United States of America. Jimmy Doodlittle and his uh, 16 B-25 bombers pulled this off and it was immensely significant. I'll say a little more about that a little bit uh, more down the, uh, down the road. Here in the text that I'm going to read tonight is a defining moment of the church. And that defining moment is a daring venture in world evangelism and in church history. It's a watershed moment. During the event that we're going to read about this morning, or this evening rather, the course in history of evangelism and church planting was set and this was one of the defining moments of the New Testament, Acts 13. Read with me, 14 verses, uh, Acts 13, beginning of verse 1. Now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simeon, who was called Niger, uh, Lucius of Cyrene, Manan, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. As they ministered to the Lord, and fasted, the Lord, uh, the Holy Spirit said, Now separate me, Barnabas and Saul, for the work to which I've called them. Then having fasted and prayed, they laid hands on them and sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia, and from there 
to Cyprus. And when they had arrived in, uh, in Salamis, they preached the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. They also had John as their assistant. Now, when they had gone through the island of Paphos, uh, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, uh, an intelligent man. This man called for Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, for so his name is translated, withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, O full of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all, of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now, indeed, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him, and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what, God had, uh, what had been done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. Then Paul and his party uh, set sail from Paphos. They came to Pergus in Pamphylia, and John uh, departed from them, returned to Jerusalem. And when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in Pisidia and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. I want to talk to you about the mission this evening as we launch off on this uh, interesting story from uh, James Doolittle and his flyers and his attack on, on, on uh, Japan. I want to focus uh, with you this evening on the risk. World evangelism has no guarantees. Now, it would be a wonderful thing if we sat in this uh, conference and in this tent and we're going to take certain decisions and we knew that there's going to be a certain consequence and a result uh, out of that, but it has no guarantees. Uh, here is Paul and Barnabas. They're entering into something that every worker that goes out of a conference must, uh, must face. There is a, an unsettling to this generation when this is the entitlement generation. How many of you know that? The entitlement generation, they want to know what they're going to get out of this before they even decide to do it. And so uh, uh, they want to go into a job at the entry level, uh, 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 the entry level salary is uh, a vast sum. They're going to have medical benefits. They're going to have a golden parachute when they finish. And this is affecting all of commerce and business uh, in America. And it's also con uh, is affecting the Church of Jesus Christ. Uh, and it's destroying something that is very, very crucial, which is an entrepreneurial spirit or a gambling into something without a certain uh, outcome. And that's affecting this. Pioneering is the lifeblood of our fellowship. How many of you know that? Pioneering is the lifeblood of our fellowship. When we lose the spirit of pioneering, then we've lost the very thing that God gives us uh, grace uh, to. We live or die as a fellowship by pioneering. And this attitude uh, will kill an entrepreneurial spirit. So here's a huge gamble. Here's this Doolittle raid. Think about this. It's only four and a half months. America has not been prepared for war. 
Japan has been preparing for war, but America has not been preparing. They were caught by surprise. A large part of the fleet was sunk in Pearl Harbor. And here they are, and 16 of their bombers, which need to be used on this adventure, they knew they were not going to get these bombers back. And they knew that they were risking that there was a gamble of those 80 men that were on the cruise that were there, a huge gamble. Let's look at Paul and Barnabas for a moment. You know, we have church history to look back on. We have the, we, we look back on church and yeah, Paul, you know, he's the Apostle Paul, but, but at this point, uh, he's not launched into as the Apostle Paul. Here's Paul and Barnabas. This is a tremendous gamble. They were not professional ministers. They were not trained to be that. They were not trained to be missionary. They're just full of the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? And full of the Holy Ghost, but they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you a question on this first night of the conference. Can you still be moved by the Holy Spirit? Or let me ask you this again. Have you ever been moved by the Holy Spirit? Or did you come to this conference to be moved by the Holy Spirit? Think about this for a moment. There's an adventure that they're launching into they have never experienced before, but they're moved by the Spirit. Oh, you say, Pastor, my children are still in school. I couldn't possibly make a decision like that. Really? Oh, Pastor, I've, uh, I've, got, some, uh, I've got some business and financial investment that I have, to, uh, I have to tend to. I remember some years ago, uh, I had talked to a man. Uh, I was pastoring in Idaho, and we were going to swap churches. I was going to go into Medford, Oregon. He was going to come into Emmett, Idaho. And uh, we had talked about this, had the deal all set up, had agreed to do it. And then I got a phone call from him, and I fully think that it probably was the will of God. I felt that. Uh, I got a phone call from him, and he said, uh, Pastor Mitchell, I can't do this uh, because I've got a little business on the side. It's a cattle feeding operation, uh, and I can't, the timing's wrong. I can't possibly do that. And uh, I was stunned because here's a man, his whole future's being determined uh, on whether he can make money here on the side as a pastor. And I was stunned at that, uh, is, at that response because uh, the, the church I was pastoring was a supporting church. Would have been to, greatly to his advantage. But here's the issue now. Can you be moved by the Spirit this week? Here's Paul and Barnabas. They've never done this before. But the Spirit of God moves upon them. Uh, and here's the key now to what we're going to do this week, Jesus into his disciple. Mark chapter 16, verse 15. He said to them, you go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Verse 20, and they went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word through the accompanying signs. One commentator says they worked and God worked. I'm going to tell you tonight, if you want God to work, uh, you need to come to a place where you're moved by the Spirit of God. Can you say amen? This is not an Amway rally. We're not here tonight rah-rahing a G. Give me a J. Give me an E. Give me an S. We're here to have people moved by the Holy Spirit to what God wants them to do. And the Scripture says as they did that, the Lord worked with them and uh, confirmed the word with signs following. Now, I have to be honest with you. We're not disguising the risk tonight. In the book of Acts chapter 15 and verse 26, it seemed good to us 
being assembled with one accord to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and, so and Paul, men who have risked or gambled or hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, when Jimmy Doolittle began to put this raid together, it's almost a miracle that the, uh, the uh, leaders in America gave him the permission to do this. Uh, this was a volunteer effort. They knew the danger that was involved. They knew that they're not going to be able to come back to those carriers in safety. They knew that they're going to have to land those bombers in China if they possibly could or bail out of those bombers. And when they volunteered for that, they knew that they were risking their lives. So let's come back to Barnabas and Paul because the Scripture says these are men who hazarded, who risk. These were men who gambled their lives for the Lord Jesus Christ. I have to say tonight that we're not always successful in everything we do. Can you say amen? amen. We're not always successful. I had a, a call from Pastor Ruby a month ago, I think. And he was, he's filled with despair. Uh, he's had to bring a worker out of China. He's had to work a, bring a worker out of Sri Lanka. And uh, he's, he's feeling the, uh, the weight of that. And uh, he, actually, he's whining. I think he was whining a little bit. But... <laughs> but but I said, Richard, this is the turf we're on. We're gambling. When we send men out, we're gambling. We have no guarantees that we're going to get a certain uh, uh, return upon this. And uh, when we begin to enter into this, uh, we need to tell you tonight that we're operating in China. China is a huge gamble. We go into China. We don't have a right to be in China to do what we're doing. We didn't, uh, we, we didn't have permission uh, in India legally to do what we've done in India. So when we're talking about sending workers out, there is a huge risk that is involved. There's massive amounts of money uh, that is put out in these. Uh, and, uh, and, and we've had some of these churches stolen from us. That may happen to us. We've had, we've had uh, defectors uh, after massive investment that have defected from us. But this is the mission. Can you say amen? amen. The mission is uh, we're going to do what we have to do to make inroads uh, uh, to the devil's kingdom to rescue souls for Jesus Christ. This is the mission, and that's what we're going to do. I want to talk to you about the men. This is the key to all that we're doing. I know that uh, James Doolittle, and according to Tom Brokaw, he's a part of the greatest generation. And when he took his crew, they were part of that generation. They knew that they're not going to come back and land on those aircraft carriers. Their future was absolutely uncertain. Uh, they knew that they had to land in occupied China. I think one of them landed even in Russia, spent uh, uh, years in, in Russian prison. But they were what another has written, they were citizen soldiers. These were men in the greatest generation who were normal people like you and I, but rose to the challenge of America being assaulted to protect our country and our interest. And uh, as they left, many of them were 18 and 19 year old young men had their whole life ahead of them. They entered into the military, uh, and this is called the greatest generation. But I want to tell you, there's, 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 more, uh, uh, there's more than just age. This is a spirit. 
Can you say amen? This is a spirit, uh, and that spirit we must never lose uh, in uh, our work for God. And that spirit is to venture for God. That spirit is to lay hold of, of God to see our mission accomplished. Uh, and so this brings us to the men. They departed Cyprus, the Bible says, uh, and Seleucia, and went to Perga. That's in Turkey. And these are other nations. These are other societies, uh, and this is where they went, uh, and this is the arena that we're in. Uh, Joe Campbell just called me last week, and he was asking me, have, have God ever spoken to me plainly? And I related to him. He may use this in his, uh, in his sermon later. But uh, I was praying on Ruth Street on the platform many years ago. As I was praying on the platform, God just dropped into my heart no gallus. Now, I didn't even know where Nogales was, to be honest with you. I went home and I got a map and looked up where Nogales was, and I was mystified, but I was sure that God was wanting me to become interested in Nogales. So uh, when we uh, had a, a break, my wife and I loaded up the kids, and we drove into Nogales, Arizona, and uh, I wanted to see what this uh, city was. And if you've ever been to Nogales, Arizona, it's not very... Not very exciting place, can you say amen? So we went across the border, and as we went across the border, I was seized with terror. The signs are in Spanish, many of them. It is a totally foreign country. There are thousands of people churning. And I went about four or five blocks across the border, turned around, and came back across. Uh, and, uh, but the, the impression that the Lord gave me never left me in the process of time uh, we sent uh, workers into uh, Nogales, Mexico, intending to send them into Nogales, uh, Arizona, but it, they wound up in Nogales, Mexico. I don't know how many churches they have because I don't have time to count them, probably 250 or 60 churches in Nogales. A direct result of that small step of launching out in a venture when we have no certain promise for God. Can you say amen? We have sent workers in uh, a venture into uh, Mexico, into Germany, into Australia in those early, early days uh, when, uh, when uh, 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 there was no blueprint, there was nothing. We didn't have a proven ministry that this is going to work. Uh, just last January, we sent workers uh, into uh, uh, South Korea, into Japan, and into China. And I want to tell you, these are, these are staggeringly expensive uh, places to operate. To get a building in, uh, in South Korea, to get a house to live in, uh, Bobby Montoya's had to put down a deposit they hold, it's legal, we're going to get it back, $30,000 just to obtain a house, and then you have to pay the rent on top of that. To get a building to securely is $30,000, that's American dollars. And so we're talking about expensive markets. China, Japan, these are expensive markets. They're not cheap. We're talking about thousands upon thousands of dollars. And so the blessing that we have is we have men and women that are willing to, to, to gamble their lives and lay their lives on the line. And this is bringing us the wonderful blessing that we have as our fellowship. Listen to this poem. I've read this before. I want to write, read it again. God, give us men. The time demands strong minds, great hearts, true faith, and willing hands. Men whom the lust of office does not kill, 
men whom the spoils of office cannot buy, men who possess the opinions and a will, men who have honor, men who will not lie. So let's think about the men. Here Jimmy Doolittle had 80 men. These men volunteered, and the reason that they volunteered is they believed that they had a cause worth giving their lives for. Listen to this fantastic testimony about Captain Jeremiah Denton. He was a prisoner of war in North Korea for seven years and seven months, including four years in solitary confinement. America watched with unabashed emotion the day Captain Denton was released and returned to his native America. He arrived home on a plane that taxied up to a uh, strip of bright red carpet, banked by hundreds of microphones, reporters, and photographers. When he stepped off the plane and came uh, and, and, uh, and onto the carpet, we all watched with bated breath, anxious to hear his first word. We didn't have to wait long. With a face deeply etched by suffering, yet with a voice that was clear and strong, the captain said, we are honored to have had the opportunity to save our country and serve our country under difficult circumstances. On that day, Captain Jeremiah Denton gave us a life's lesson. He expressed humble gratitude for being able to serve his country, even though the service, uh, uh, that service had involved unspeakable suffering. Could that attitude be what Jesus meant when he said we have to take up our cross and follow him? if we want to be his disciples, and when we arrive in our heavenly home, will we step up and say, we were honored to serve our king, carrying the cross of God's will, even when that service included personal suffering, carry the cross. He promises that if you do, you will, uh, uh, you will share in the power of his resurrection and the glory of his cross. Now, world evangelism this evening requires just that. In the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 14, Paul's writing to believers who have embraced the Lord Jesus Christ. Persecution and hardship has set in, and some of them are turning back from their profession and from their faith. And the book of Hebrews was written to them. And when he writes these words in Hebrews, chapter 12, Verse 14, it has, uh, verse 4, it has tremendous meaning for you. He says, you have not resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin. So let's think about that for a moment. Here's the mission. Here are the men and the women that must step up to the plate. They must make themselves available. They must risk because there is risk, but that's what it's going to take for world evangelism, and I trust God can still move people in this conference. Let's think about the goal for a moment. We must be willing to commit. When we're talking about world evangelism, we're talking about a long-term uh, mentality. Uh, from time to time, we have people, they, they kind of enter the arena a little bit. They want to wave the flag. They want to rah-rah. But you see, world evangelism is a long-term commitment. It's nice for people to get excited for a moment, but when the suffering, the hardship, the reversals, and things don't turn out correct, uh, 
then you're going to have to have a mentality, I'm into this for the long haul. Can you say amen? I'm into evangelism. I'm into church planting. I'm into, uh, into, into missions. I'm in it for the long haul. And this is why Paul wrote to the Philippian church in Philippians 4, 15 and 16. He said, now you Philippians know that in the beginning of the gospel, when I departed, departed from Macedonia, no church shared with me concerning giving and receiving, but you only. And listen to this. For even in Thessalonica, you sent once and again for my necessities. This is the arena that we're in. We're in the arena for the long haul. That means that some things that we do fantastically turn out. We thrill to them. We have reports of them. Some things don't turn out so fantastic, but it doesn't matter. This is the calling that we have. Can you say amen? And the goal is to respond, uh, and we're going to leave the books and the accounting for that uh, with God. In 2 Timothy 3, verse 16, the Apostle Paul says, All scriptures given by the inspiration of God and is profitable for the, uh, doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, uh, thoroughly equipped for every good work. We have this book, hallelujah. Can you say amen? amen? We have this book. In this book is all the glory of God's power to accomplish what he has uh, called us to do. And when the scripture says uh, thoroughly equipped, uh, it means uh, that God has furnished everything that we need uh, to finish the task. Now, we're talking about unforeseen circumstances. When uh, these men uh, launched off on this, as I've said before, uh, there's unforeseen circumstances. The problem is we're creatures of time. Can you say amen? We're creatures of time, and we calculate and we prioritize life according to our own view and according to our own calculation. Zechariah 4, verse 10, gives us a tremendous statement. Listen to this. For who has despised the day of small things? For these seven rejoice to see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. They are the eyes of the Lord which run to and fro throughout the whole earth. Now think about that for a moment because what the Scripture says, don't despise the day of small things. What we have to decide is this is what God called us to. And if it's what God called us to, we need to stick to the business that God has given to us because what he is building, he sees the future in. What profound statements uh, in that statement in Zechariah. Don't despise the day of small things. You know this is rebuilding the second temple and all is involved there. And this is related to that. But it has a principle that goes far beyond that. Uh, and what the prophet said, God's doing this. So don't despise what seems to your mind uh, to not be fantastic. Make sure that you're doing what God called you to do uh, and he will calculate uh, the results uh, because there's incalculable elements uh, in everything that happens in life. Look back at this raid with Jimmy Doolittle. This is four and a half months, not quite four and a half months after Japan bombed Pearl Har Harbor. Japan is armed to the teeth. They have uh, warships. They are prepared for this. Uh, 
Yet Jimmy Doolittle persuaded the commanders of America, let me take these bombers. We can take them off of the Hornet aircraft character. We can't re-land, but we're going to get off close enough that we can bomb Japan and we'll shake these people in their arrogance. And they successfully did that. They stunned Japan. When they did that, Japan was stunned and the Japanese pulled their carrier fleet back out of the Indian Ocean to protect the homeland. They didn't know where this came from. They had no idea what this, what this had done because they could calculate as well as Jimmy Doolittle uh, could. And they knew that, there's, they, that they couldn't take off and get back on these carriers. But it stunned them and it shocked them and it brought the populace to such, a, to such a, an upheaval that they pulled their fleet back from the Indian Ocean. And as they did that, uh, to protect the homeland. This contributed uh, to Admiral Yamamoto's decision to attack Midway Island. And when he attacked Midway Island, it was a total disaster. Much of the Japanese fleet and navy was destroyed attacking Midway, uh, uh, Midway Island. It turned the course of the war and had a decisive, uh, or a, a decisive moment uh, in the outcome of that war because it turned the course of the war Here's this one action. Sitting here this evening as you make an application, I wonder if you could uh, contemplate with me perhaps how great an impact in a spiritual dimension that you will make by obeying God and doing what He's dealing with you about. If you're here this evening and God's speaking to you, I want you to open your heart and I want you to begin to respond to what God is saying because here we have a mission. Paul is being launched. He's moved, him and Barnabas, by the Spirit. Acts 15 and verse 19 was a huge factor in the future of the church of Jesus Christ because they were still trying to decide what they needed to do. It had not fully grasped their hearts that God's plan for the Gentiles was this was the main thrust of what he's doing. And in Acts 15 and verse 19, they're having a council to decide. And he says, therefore, I judge that we should not trouble those from among the Gentiles who are turning to God. So here is a future shaping action, Acts 13, as we read this scripture, Paul and Barnabas, as they launch off into this, it was a, a watershed moment in the church deciding this is what God is doing as he's moving among the Gentiles. Bear with me with this quote. There was a man that was sent from England. His name was Francis Air Asbury. John Wesley sent him to America. And listen to this quote. This is a fabulous story of what God can do. Francis Asbury stands in rugged contrast to the image of the scholarly president of Yale or one of the cultured priests of the Anglican Church sent to America by John Wesley with the mandate, offer them Christ. Asbury took his charge seriously by becoming a traveling Methodist preacher on the fast and ever-moving western frontier. Enlisting in passioned and usually unlearned men, he created a mobile system of circuit riders, pastors on horseback, 
These men made the frontier their parish, establishing evangelistic outposts with camp meetings that reached thousands of people at a time. Nan Hatch describes the genius of Asbury on the frontier as leading a military mission of short-term agents. Itinerant preachers armed with the gospel, critics of Asbury scoffed when he built a church for Methodists saying that the movement could be contained in a corn crib. Later, he had to eat those words. So this evening as we're sitting here, think with me for a moment, uh, because that's an exact pattern of what our fellowship is doing. There's only three men that I know of that have any kind of theological training. One is me, I went to a Bible school. One is John Gooding, who has a degree in, 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 in Christian theology. And one is Mike Stamper, as he went through some kind of courses. We've got a couple of others that sent up $100 and got a diploma, but they, they didn't. So. But our fellowship, as I've said before in some places, is a lay movement. It is a movement of men and women filled with the Holy Ghost that have embraced the mission that God has given to us and have given their lives to this. And we said in this conference this night, now remember what I said, can you be moved by the Spirit of God? So, well, Pastor, as soon as I get my kids raised, I could be too late then. Well, maybe not too late, but you'll be a decrepit framework of what you are now. Pastor, I, I would like to, but, uh, you know, if I leave where I am, uh, you know, uh, they've got a program. I get braces for my children's teeth here, you know. It's, uh, it's, uh, that's important, you know. Children with crooked teeth will never make it in life. <laughs> well, Pastor, I, I'd, I'd really like to, but, you know, I've got some, I've got some irons in the fire. And, and uh, I asked you a question. I didn't ask you those questions. I asked you, can you still be moved by the Spirit of God? This week is a week of wonderful challenge. The world is before us. We're hearing reports come in from the islands of the sea. We're hearing reports come in from the Orient. We're hearing reports coming in from Africa. We're hearing reports coming in from South America. God is at work. Hallelujah. I said God is at work. God is at work. Pastor Campbell gave this uh, wonderful illustration for confidence. God is at work. And so I want to put you this question this evening in these closing moments. What will you do this week? If you're a pastor, what are you going to do? Because a defining moment is right before you. Will you release the workers that God's put into your hand? Say, well, pastor, he's a He's, uh, he puts a lot of money in the offering plate. I don't know if I can release him. That wasn't what I asked you. I asked you, can you be moved by the Spirit? Will you release those talented people that you have that God has given to you that you're still saying, well, they're not quite ready yet. I'm still working. How ready were you when they sent you out? See, here is a tremendous scripture. And uh, in the face of sacrifice, in the face of uncertainty, in the face of only God knows what is going to transpire in our world, I want to tell you, God is still at work. Hallelujah. He still is saving people, 
and he still is building the kingdom of God and he's talking to you tonight. I want every head bowed. I want every eye closed. Thanks again for listening to the free version of the VBPH Sermon Podcast, where we post sermons on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Sundays. We also have a premium version of this podcast, which posts sermons and interviews every single day of the week. So why would you want to subscribe? I'm glad you asked. I have five reasons for you. Number one, on the premium version, we post full versions of Testimony Tuesday, Pastor Campbell Thursday, and Study Day Saturday. If you'd like to hear those episodes, then subscribe now. Reason number two, uninterrupted listening. We remove all ads and all extraneous content from our premium feed. Reason number three, premium episodes always release six hours earlier than the free version. If you're an early bird, it's a great reason to subscribe. Number four, our subscribers will gain access to our sermon chat group on WhatsApp, where we interact directly with listeners around the globe. If you'd like to chat with other premium subscribers, subscribe today. And finally, every dollar we raise goes to world evangelism. This is the best reason to subscribe because you are helping us launch churches all around the world. We don't put one dime in our pockets. Everything that we raise from this podcast will go directly to Thursday night of Chandler Conference. So please subscribe today by using the links in the show notes below. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening to the sermon podcast of the Virginia Beach Potter's House Church. Were you blessed by today's message? Let us know. Please leave us a rating on Apple Podcast or on Podchaser. We'll be back next time with another life-changing word from heaven. God bless. God bless.